0: Things in life that are black and white. When you drive up to an intersection, a stoplight, and the light is red, it means stop. Okay? It it doesn't mean slow down, keep going. It doesn't mean speed up. It means stop. That's pretty black and white. Okay? Just for the sake of interaction, just nod a few times. Okay? It reminds me that you're still awake. Another example. Don't murder. Like, don't take somebody else's life. It It should be pretty black and white. That one's a little bit heavy. Let's go with something a little lighter, all right? There is only one brand of ketchup anybody should ever buy. (laughs) I didn't know that until I was 20 years old, and I went on my very first shopping trip after I got married. (laughs) I, I bought the cheapest one. That's right, Abby. Forgive me. Again. Heinz ketchup is the only kind of ketchup that is real ketchup. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, so what in life is black and white? Legit, like, go ahead and give, give me some answers. Anybody can speak. I'm sorry, say again? Gravity. John Mayer would agree. Yes. Um, yeah, gravity works. I mean, it Yeah. Thank you. If it didn't, we wouldn't be sitting. Okay. Good. That one was, that one was heavy. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be good today. This is going to be really good. All right. Give me another one. (laughs) Sorry. Life Life and death, right? There's one or the other. Okay. Good and evil, okay? I'm going to come back to that one. So hold on to that one. Okay? I know, I know you guys know some. Madonna? Happy and sad. Okay, good. So let's, let's go very practical. Some tangible, right? Ketchup, right? Wrong ketchup. You guys are going like deep and profound. I'm trying to keep it simple today. Our neighbor's house. Your neighbor's house. Meaning what? They just painted it white and black trim. Oh, they just painted it white and black trim. Thank you. I (laughs) figured.
1: That's
0: good. I was waiting for that one. Someone's going to say zebra. Oh, goodness gracious, you guys. Tommy, you got anything? (laughs) For those that are missing this online, Laura has a, a dress that is black and white. Okay. Thank you. One of our online people says, "Coke or Pepsi? It's black or white. Okay, it's one or the other. All right. Yeah, <laughs> he's drinking dark chocolate or milk chocolate. There's an absolute right one, dark.
1: <clears throat>
0: yes. Okay. Okay. BLM, Black Lives Matter. That's uh, that's definitely loaded. Also, okay." All right, so listen, on some of these things, like a Coke and a Pepsi, not on a Gravity, okay, that one's, that one's pretty set, but on things like Coke and Pepsi, people could argue one way or the other. Even on my examples, you could argue there's some room for gray in the middle. Yes, you come up to an intersection, the light is red, but if you've got a life-threatening situation, your child's struggling to breathe in the back, if nobody's coming, you just go right through it, okay? That's okay. Don't tell the cop I said so, but they'll pull you over, and then they'll get you to the hospital even faster. All right. You're recording. (laughs) We will come back and edit that. Oh, man. Okay, I, I mentioned murder. Okay, what about self defense? What about capital punishment? What about Saul, King Saul, okay, mortally wounded in battle, asks his armor bearer to finish him? If his armor bearer had, would that have been murder or would it have been mercy? What about the ketchup thing? If you're stranded on a desert island somehow with just a grill, a package of hot dogs, some buns, and some Safeway tomato spread, <laughs> maybe it counts as ketchup? Christy says no. <laughs> no. You know, our, our friends Hannah and Aaron, they moved up from Alabama. I want you to get some say Alabama with me. Alabama. One thing I like about Alabama is that they have more rules than any other constitution, any other state constitution. It's amazing. They have some great rules that are just, it's black and white. You can't argue with them. It is illegal in Alabama to carry an ice cream cone in your back pocket. You can't argue with that. Kids might be able to, but you just can't argue with that. It's illegal in Alabama to wrestle bears. But it... (laughs) If they're in a singlet and a, and a mat and they're calling you out, uh, I don't know. It's illegal to put salt on railroad tracks in Alabama. And actually, this one carries a death penalty. I don't know how they got to that point, but ooh, don't mess around with that. If you are planning to play dominoes on a Sunday in Alabama, prepare to get arrested. That's illegal also. Okay. It's illegal to impersonate, I like this one. It's illegal to impersonate a clergy. On Halloween, the cops are going to be busy arresting all these people dressed up as nuns and priests. Oh, this one is we shouldn't even have to put this on pen and paper. It's illegal to drive blindfolded. It's just stupid to drive blindfolded. All right, now I'm looking around just to check in here my personal favorite rule in Alabama. You cannot wear a mustache in church. Gary, it's a good thing we're at Washington State. (laughs) Are these examples, these examples, they make us laugh, right? They make us smile a little bit. But when it comes to things more serious, like things of faith, are there things that are black and white? Debbie, you mentioned good or evil. Are there other things in our faith that, you know, we draw a line in the sand with that, that are black and white? Say again. Truth and lies. Okay. But Abraham and Isaac lied. They turned out all right. Didn't make it right. right. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And if you were their mom, you would have told him so. That's right. What else in our faith? Can't get to heaven without him being Jesus. Jesus is the only way. Seems pretty black and white. Right? Okay, so I'm sure that there are other things we could think of. You guys just may not want to say them. You put a thou shalt not in front of just about anything and it becomes a hard line in the sand. Black and white. Things in life, things in faith that we could argue are one or the other. There's a lot of gray in certain things. And yeah, there could even be some color. Well, let's pray and we'll talk more about it. God, I thank you for uh, the fact that we can laugh the fact that we can engage with each other. I thank you that we can interact with your word. And uh, Lord, as we sing about, we want your word to speak. Oftentimes we, we, we sing that, but do we really understand what we're saying? But I pray that as we tell your story this morning, as found in, in, in the book that you've given us, I pray that you would make things very clear, whether that is black and white or gray or full of color. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this morning we, uh, we start another two-week sermon series based out of our larger year-long sermon series called the catechumenid, which means the basics of our faith, right? Half of our, of our church body is in small groups that are studying these things, and each two weeks we shift topics. Today we start a two-week series on the Bible. Say the Bible. The Bible. That's good. That's good. If you have a paper copy, go ahead and grab it. Turn to Psalm chapter 1. If you're digital, go ahead and open your, your, your iPad, your phone, click the app, and get to, to Psalm 1. And if you are on our church app, you can also click on the clickable link there. The Bible, okay? The, the book of Christianity, a book that the church claims has authority, at times argued being infallible, uh, translated, at least in part, translated into 4,000 languages of the 7,000 languages on earth. All right, it's a book that's been a source of inspiration and courage and comfort to a lot of people, and it's been a, a, a book that has been a source of segregation and separation. Now, this morning, I'm not going to preach a sermon on how the Bible came to be. All right? Dr. Sitzer did a great video on that in the Catechumenit series. If you're not part of a group that's studying that and you want to watch this video, let me know, and I'll figure out a time we can watch it with you. This morning and next week, as Pastor Chris is here with us, we're going to look at just a couple of ways we can view Scripture. A couple of approaches to scripture, and as you may have guessed, one of the approaches to scripture is black and white, is is a firm line in the sand. All right, we asked our online, uh, our online social media people this past week: when you read scripture, do you read it as black and white, or do you read it with some room for gray? And one out of the however many people answered answered they read it as black and white. Uh, the rest said there's some sort of gray. Well, I actually think more of us. View it through black and white that we'd like to admit, all right? Psalm 1 is a great example of what I'm talking about. I'm going to read it through the New Living Translation. You can follow along in whatever translation you are reading from. The psalmist says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered in the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Overall, the book of the Psalms is a book of poems, a book of prayers, a book of songs, Most of these have praises in them, prayers in them, worries given to God, frustrations, concerns, questions, so much more. Psalm 1 is different than all the other psalms in the fact that it is a very black and white psalm. Did you see it in there? I mean, there are either people who are in, the godly, or those who are out, the wicked. there's There's a hard line in the sand, but the question comes, what is that determining factor? What, where do you land on one side, whether it's black or white? What line in the sand? The answer is, it's the person's view. The person's approach, their time spent in scripture. That's what determines, according to the psalm, whether somebody is in or out. Verse 2, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day or night. Essentially, the psalmist says, "If you spend your life based in here, if you if you, you pour over it, you are on the correct side of the line." Hey, okay, bear with me. Some of you are starting to squirm a little bit. According to this song, if you're spending time meditating on Scripture, you won't follow the advice of the wicked. You won't hang out with sinners. You won't join the mockers. But if you're pouring in your life to this, you will be deeply rooted like a tree by a river bank. You will be fruitful. You will never tire. You'll be prosperous in all things. You will be watched over by God. Sounds pretty black and white. If you look at the other side, if you are not spending time meditating on this, you're most likely one of the wicked, mocking, scoffing sinners. And oh, it gets worse, if I could just call you names like that. If you're not taking the law seriously, you're like worthless Jeff, blown away in the wind. You'll be condemned at the time of judgment. You'll be separated from the God your path will lead to destruction. Any of you guys thinking, man, i got to set my alarm on my phone to make sure I'm reading scripture more? Whoo, pretty black and white. Now listen, if if you lived in the days of the Old Testament, it would have taken a while for some of these psalms to get written down. It was an oral tradition, so most of them were just memorized anyways. But as you were pouring over them, as you were studying them, you were studying them through a very black and white lens. Because that's what you grew up hearing stories of. That was the experience of your ancestors. I mean, if God said it, you better do it that way. Parents told kids stories of what happened in the good old days. Maybe weren't the good old gays, days, all right? Let's take for one example. In the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments, you guys know most of them. Uh, my guess is we could probably rattle off all ten if I asked. But one of them is do not work on the Sabbath, Right? We used to have all stores and stuff closed on Sundays. Uh, people used to just, you know, a lot. I see, what were those called? Uh, blue Sundays? Blue, Blue Book Sundays is out there called? Blue Laws, yeah. wow Okay, so fast forward. You're a kid in the time of the Old Testament, and you want to go out and you want to mow the lawn in the time of the Old Testament, right? <laughs> you didn't have one. No lawnmowers, I know. But listen, the Big Ten says this, all right? Remember to observe the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. <clears throat> Six days you have to work each week with your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a day of rest, dedicated to the Lord. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes your sons, your daughters, your male or female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in it. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and it set apart as holy. Pretty black and white, right? Don't work on it. But was God serious when he said that? Well, again, picture you're an Old Testament kid and, and they want to go out and they want to they rake leaves. They want to they wanna pick up sticks because there was a big windstorm the night before. Mom, Dad, can I go pick up sticks? Oh, <laughs> no. No, let me tell you a story about something that happened. Okay? Numbers chapter 15, verse 32 on and following. The, the parents would probably tell the kids there was this guy once, our ancestors. One day, while the people of Israel were wandering in the desert, in the wilderness, they discovered a man gathering wood on the Sabbath day. The people found him doing this. They took him to Moses and Aaron and the rest of the community. They, they held him in custody because they didn't know what to do with him. Then the Lord said to Moses, This man must be put to death. The whole community must stone him outside the camp. So the whole community took the man outside the camp and stoned him to death, just as the Lord had commanded. Hmm. Pretty black and white, isn't it? You can nod. <laughs> yeah. And some of y'all are thinking, I couldn't have made it past last Sunday because I mowed the lawn on Sunday. Whew, for years and years and years, generations upon generations, this is how the people of the Old Testament understood that they were supposed to follow Scripture. There is a firm line in the stand. If it says it, you got to do it. If it says not to do it, you better not do it. This, this, this mentality, this approach to Scripture, it went all the way into the New Testament. We know a guy named Paul, Right? Saul or Paul, and he described how um, purposefully, intentionally he followed the law in Philippians chapter 3. He says this, he says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without a fault. I know a lot of you know the story on before and after, but just put yourself right there. Strictest obedience to the law. Obeyed it without a fault. How could he do that? By doing what's talked about in Psalm 1. Spending time in Scripture meditating on Scripture, delighting in Scripture. We're going to come back to the Apostle Paul next week, and we're going to see how all of a sudden his black and white turned gray and very colorful. But I'm going to, I'm going to save that for Pastor Chris. Obviously, I've been, I've been painting a very specific picture this morning of, of, of one approach to Scripture, a very hard uh, and firm black and white approach. The question for us today needs to be, do we still approach Scripture like this? On a Sunday morning in 2021, in our daily devotionals, do we still look at Scripture through this black and white lens? Some of y'all shaking your head, no. I grew up hearing the phrase, and some of you, I bet, said it. The Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. You ever say that? You ever heard that? The Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. That's a black and white approach to all of this. All right, I was talking to somebody on First Church Leadership this past week, and I was asking this person to give me some examples of, uh, of things in life that are, that are black and white. Just a few areas, and this person says, a few areas. I live my entire life in black and white. Does everybody not do that? I won't tell you who that is because I'm probably taking that conversation out of context. Do we still read Scripture through that lens? I know I need to be very careful as to what I'm saying next, not only because we're being recorded, but because if I am not cautious, I'll get texts, phone calls, emails, personal visits this past week. The good thing is I'm gone Wednesday through Sunday, so you can't visit me, and I'll turn my phone off Monday and Tuesday. (laughs) I hold this book in the most high regards. I absolutely think that we should be doing what Psalm 1 talks about. As a follower of Jesus, I study this uh, six, seven days a week for myself personally, not just for sermon prep. Our church highly values scripture, highly values it, okay? It says so on the website, so it must be true, right? We highly value it. Our denomination values scripture. In fact, the June issue of Light and Life, our denominational uh, magazine, is all about scripture, One of our bishops, Bishop Matt, says this, the Bible provides us a home that can never be shaken, never be lost, and will never leave us astray. I believe that. This is vital. If you hear nothing else the rest of the time, know that that is my stance on this. Okay, so here's the asterisk a little bit. There are things in here that are absolutely black and white. All right, there are things that are absolutely black and white, but there are other things that maybe we shouldn't read as black and white. All right, and I'm I'm probably not telling you anything you shouldn't know. There are things that we shouldn't view through a black and white lens anymore. Case in point, I have a Mickey Mouse tattoo. I got it 25 years ago. If this offends you, I am sorry. It offended one of my co-workers at a different job who was a Christian 25 years ago. She saw that and says, you're going to hell. You have a tattoo. Bible says so. I leaned in right next to her and said, good, I'm going with your husband because he's covered in them too. <laughs> she didn't like that response. I went home later that night and looked up again. Uh, I had, again, because I'd seen that passage before. My parents told it to me at 15 when I started asking if I could get a tattoo. And then at 16, and then at 17, and then I hit 18, and sorry, Mom and Dad, I know sometimes you watch and listen. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28, all right, says this. I think we have it up here. Do not cut your bodies for the dead, and do not mark your skin with tattoos. I am the Lord. Oh, that seems pretty black and white, doesn't it? It does. So does that mean I'm out? I mean, again, I hold this in the highest regards. Let's just take a look at the verse after and the verse before to see if we should really do this with every single verse. Okay, Leviticus 19, verse 29. It's Father's Day. All the fathers who have daughters, do not defile your daughter by making her a prostitute, or the land will be filled with prostitution and wickedness. Still today... Pretty black and white. Yes? Dads, if there's any question on that, come and find me after. I will hit you with the Bible. Okay? Don't do that. But let's look at the verse right before this tattoo verse. Verse 27. Do not trim off the hair on the side of your temples or trim your beards. Sorry, Ron. Clean shaven. Mm. Is that a black and white verse? And again, please don't, please, please don't take this as me being loose and, and flippant with this. What, what I'm trying to show is that there, there are perhaps some passages that we shouldn't take as black and white, but we should allow for some room for gray. And again, I know this gets sticky because then we ask, well, who gets to determine which verses we should follow to a T and which verses we shouldn't? It's It's really, really sticky. But we go back to Psalm 1. And we see that according to this, those that delight in the law, those that meditate on it, there's joy for them. There's there's abundance for them. There's God's direction for them. And those that don't, less of that. Now, we could say a hard and firm line in the sand. You either spend time in here or you don't. Okay? But I don't think that's that's the weight in this text. Actually, the weight in this text, I think, is found in one word. It's the word meditate. Those who meditate, verse 2, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day or night. For some people, you hear the term meditate, you think legs crossed, arms out, and humming. That's not what the psalmist is talking about. Okay, the word meditate in Hebrew is hagah. Say that with me, hagah. That's pretty good. I heard, yeah, that's that's a good Hebrew accent. I like that, hagah. Okay, this word literally means to moan, to growl, to muse, to plot, to utter, to mutter, to speak, to study, to talk. So, which one does it mean in here? Well, maybe. I'm indebted to Eugene Peterson, who wrote a book called Eat This Book for this, this analogy. It's a great book. He, he writes a lot of really good stuff. There is a passage in Isaiah that uses this exact same word, "haga," And it really can help us understand this word in Psalm chapter 1. I want you to listen to it. Okay, this is, this is God telling the people not to depend on the power of people in this case it's the egyptians listen for the word meditate in this text okay isaiah chapter 31 verse 3 to 5 god says for the egyptians are mere humans not god their horses are puny flesh not mighty spirits when the lord raises his fist against them those who help will stumble and those who are being helped will fall they will all fall down and die together but this is what the Lord has told me, Isaiah says. When a strong young lion stands growling over a sheep that it has killed, it is not frightened by the shouts and the noise of the crowds of shepherds around it. In the same way, the Lord of heaven's armies will come down and fight on Mount Zion. The Lord of heaven's armies will hover over Jerusalem and protect it like a bird protecting its nest. He will defend and save the city. He will pass over it and rescue it. Do you hear the word meditate in there? Well, it's because I didn't read it in the Hebrew, all right? Let me not read it in the Hebrew again, but think back to that list that I went through really, really quick. Find the word that is in verse 4. Verse 4 says this, but this is what the Lord has told me. When a strong young lion stands (coughs) growling, (coughs) excuse me, growling over a sheep that it has killed, it's not frightened, Just the same way the Lord will come down and fight for you on Mount Zion the word meditate can also mean to growl so you got this mental picture of a lion standing over its prey growling how many of you have seen that happen in real life here in Spokane go ahead show of hands I didn't think so okay unless you're on staff at cattails and even then you throw it in the tank and you run alright so we're gonna set another mental picture how many of you have a dog or have ever seen a dog show of hands Debbie, you've never seen a dog? Come over to my house. I got three of them. Okay? Picture a dog with a bone. Here's a picture of one of the dogs that lives in my house. (laughs) You can't see You might be able to see it. That's an antler. This is how he chews on his bones. He flips over backwards. I've never seen this done. Grabs the bone with his paws and just goes to town on it. All right? Not every dog does it like that. There are other dogs, kind of like this next picture. Um, Oh, Hannah, favorite dog of yours? Good-looking dog? Dog and a bone, okay? Picture this when you're thinking of the Hebrew word haggah, okay? A dog that plays with its bone, throws it up, runs around it, growls at it, lunges, licks, dances. The dog approaches the bone from every single angle, tossing it up, moving it around, and maybe eventually the dog settles down to chew on it have you guys ever seen a dog like that growling over its bone because if you haven't you haven't fully lived oh my goodness they are intent on it growling over remember this is the word meditate The, the psalmist could have said that blessed are those right they take delight in the law of the lord growling over it day and night Looking at the text from all sorts of different angles, turning it inside and out, over and over, dancing with it, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, throwing it in the air, seeing what angles we can see with it. Does that make sense, what I'm talking about? Okay, a little bit. I've been painting a very black and white picture of the, uh, the Hebrew people and how they approach scripture, but in reality, a lot of them... Uh, the especially the rabbis. They had this practice that I've shared with you before called the 70 faces of a diamond. All right? um, if anybody's wondering, this is a real diamond. Okay, It's a real fake diamond so you are welcome to come and touch it after the service. I'll put it right up here. The rabbis would get together and you know, when you shine a light on a diamond, it, it goes and it's just all these different you know colors. These beautiful colors go portraying through. But like Chris has a different view of the diamond than I do. His light would come differently, right? And Ryan sees it differently than Chris because he's coming there. I see it differently than all you guys because I'm at this angle, but, you know, Laura sees it from, you get what I'm saying? So the rabbis, they would gather together, a group of 70 of them, and they would take a text that may seem very black and white, and they would begin growling over it. They would begin meditating over it, looking at it from all these different angles, and all of a sudden, a text that seemed very black and white started to come to life. Now I would argue that that is what we need to spend more time doing. We can get so used to reading the text that we know, that we just and, and, and remembering back to that same sermon of that one pastor who just explained it really, really, really good, that was a couple of pastors back. OK?. Yeah. That was you that explained it so well. Well done, Pastor Michael. That's right. I would argue that we need to do that more. And honestly, it gets even better when we do that in community. Because then you get some different angles. There are still parts in here that are black and white. There absolutely are. But there are other parts that we need to begin diving into and dissecting. One of the great ways that traditionally historically the church has done this has growled over texts has been this this practice called lectio divina we've done this before in here uh if you're new to us maybe you haven't experienced it but it, it's it's lectio divina is latin for sacred reading now my initial plan was to do that with this text and you know what i'm going to do that with this text down is going to start their service in a minute and a half so if we have a little bit of background noise from them that's fine but we're going to growl over this text for just a, a few minutes. Tim, I'm going to have you coming up and I'll play quietly so that maybe your quiet will drown out their quiet and we'll be able to focus on this. So what I would encourage you guys to do, if you've never done a Lectio Divina, uh, just let me guide you through this process. I'm going to end up reading it through four different times and we're, we're going to uh, we're gonna do it differently than we have in the past. You'll see what I mean when we get there. In the past, we've always just done it ourselves. But we're in community today. So let's, let's growl over this text together. Go ahead and take a deep breath if you want. Close your eyes if you want. Make sure you're comfortable. And this first time through as I read this text, I would encourage you to listen for a word or phrase that jumps out at you, that rises to the top. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners... Or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked; they are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. All right, I asked you to listen for a word or phrase that rose to the top. Here's where we're doing this differently. Turn to a neighbor if they're there, and just share just that word or phrase. Nothing else, no need to explain it. But if a word or phrase rose to the top, just turn to a neighbor and tell them what that word or phrase was. If you're sitting by yourself, um, turn to the closest person. And go ahead and do that. What word or phrase was it? This time. You're listening for that same word or phrase, if that's what rises to the top again. And this time I want you to pay attention to the emotions. To what you're feeling when you do that. What mental pictures come to mind? Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they, never, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered in the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. the same text read but each of us are getting a slightly different angle of it turn to that same person who knew the word that rose to the top for you last time and and just share very briefly what what emotion came to mind or what mental picture took place go ahead and do that More time, two more times actually. This time, as you are listening for that word or phrase, this time feel free to converse with God, asking Him, What what does this word or phrase, what does this emotion, what does this mental picture mean to me? Are you trying to say something to me through this? That's what you're, that's the conversation you're having as you listen. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners have no place among the godly. The Lord watches over the path of the godly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction take just a moment or two in prayer and ask God, are you trying to say something to me through this word or phrase, this mental picture? Ask if he's asking for some sort of response from you. share with your neighbor if you think God is asking you to do something in response to this. One, one more time through, this time as you're listening. Just listen for the sheer sake of listening. You don't need to converse. You don't need to look for mental pictures or anything. Just taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither. They prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. God, I thank you for this time that we've been able to have together, growling over the text of Scripture. I thank you for the different angles you have given each person here today as we've listened. I thank you that you, because you're God, have the ability to show us different things even in the same text. We thank you for the ways you're going to continue to do that. And Lord, as as we pour over scripture this week as we prayed or as we sang at the beginning would you allow your word of God to speak to us we look forward to seeing and hearing how you're going to do that we pray this in Jesus name Amen